This week on the Habs Forum, after a very stressful week for Habs fans, Gary Price is still in Montreal. You, you can stop worrying. I mean, I'm sure some Habs fans are maybe hoping it would happen, but how can you after the playoff run he has? I know I know we're happy Gary Price will still be a part of the Montreal Canadiens contract and all, but unfortunately, of course, he had to lose someone, losing Kale Fleury at the expansion draft. So we'll talk about that. Shea Weber, that's the bad news. Sounds like, especially... First, it was rumors, then Bergeron had a press conference today. For sure, out this season, potentially career-ending. That's obviously heartbreaking, but at least we did get some good news on, on Drouin, so we'll talk about that, too. A bunch of stuff to talk about, really. Some trade rumors, new coach in, in Laval. Finally, Trevor Timmons also did his uh, his press conference he does every year before the draft. I mean, the draft is coming up just tomorrow already, which seems crazy to me. And uh, at the end, stick around. Uh, not for the first time we've had him on, but Costa Ronzokos is on to talk about prospects. Uh, he's from uh, the, the, the Puck Authority. Always a fantastic person, to, especially before the draft. So if you're someone that wants to watch the draft but doesn't really know what's going on with the prospects this year, definitely stick around to listen to that. Uh, but first, Dustin, tell me uh, who our sponsor is. So the Habs Forum is brought to you by Manscaped.com. Use homo, uh, promo code HABSFORM for 20% off your purchase and get free shipping. So uh, very exciting. Check out the uh, the Lawnmower 4.0. A bit of a fruity and slip there, uh, Dustin. But uh, we carry on. There's no editing on this podcast. Uh, uh, so let's get started with the, I mean, the expansion draft, obviously. Uh, the big, uh, big news. I mean, like we always say, we're a Habs podcast first, so we're not going to talk too much about the, the picks they made. But, uh, I mean, the Canadians lose Kale Fleury. And no hate to Kale Fleury. I do actually think, as much as I, I question a lot of the picks uh, that they made, uh, the, the, the Kraken, I do think Kale Fleury was the right move out of Montreal. What, what do you think? Like, for them. Like, I, I, I hate losing him, especially with Wright D being, like, our biggest lack. But, I mean, like, for them, I think it was the best player to pick up. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think, you know, the only other guy I, I could have saw was, was Brett Kulak. I think he would have made yeah. a lot of sense. Cheap contract. And I think, you know, he, he's very underappreciated defenseman. For sure. uh, and and he, he would seem like the, the kind of guy that they could potentially move as well for, for a pick. For sure. um, but yeah, no, I, I think Kale Fleury is definitely, um, you know, definitely a solid ad for them as well. I definitely think it helped that they, they also drafted his brother Hayden from Anaheim. hundred percent, hundred percent. And yeah, I mean, it, it definitely sucks for the Canadians to lose Kale Fleury. I mean, he didn't, didn't play with the Canadians last season, but um, you know, they're, they're a huge hole on the right side now. That that's the thing. Like, if, if Kale Fleury was a left defenseman, I, I wouldn't. I don't want to say I wouldn't care. It always sucks to lose an asset, but it's just that like the asset we lost is literally our weakest, like top top to bottom. Like even in, even in the prospect pool, there's like nothing there on right D. No, exactly. So it's it, you know it, it's unfortunate, but it, I also kind of think that it's probably the best case scenario for the Canadians yeah. outside of like maybe losing Paul Byron, which never would have made sense for Seattle. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you know we de- definitely didn't want to lose Carey Price, even though you know maybe over the long term because of that contract, maybe it wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world. But uh, no, I definitely rather lose Kale Fleury than you know some of the other guys we could have lost. You know, I, I think Kulak is could have a, a decent role to Canadians next year. So 
I'm not too too sad to see Kale Turner lose. Early. No, same, same. And it, it does seem like the uh, management also maybe weren't too high at this point on uh, on Kale Fleury either. I mean, we at times at this podcast often talked about how we were surprised he wasn't getting more ice time. But, I mean, the, I do think, like you said, it's the best case scenario. The, the thing with the carry price, I mean, let, 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 let's get right into that. Like, first of all, just such a like, – Ron Francis doesn't really look good in, in all – not just with the Canadians. Too. It really does seem from everything that's coming out that he tried to really strong-arm GMs to getting a bunch of picks like like Vegas did. And then it, it's like he didn't want to budge on the price. And then GMs with a lot more experience like Bergerman just kind of called his bluff. And like, I, like let, let's not forget also let's give Carey Price some props because it, it was him – it's it's the best case scenario for the Canadians because Price came to to Bergevin about about exposing him for sure. Bergevin had thought of this. Like Bergevin's not stupid. He knows exposing Price is probably the right move because he knows he probably doesn't get picked up. But I don't think he on his own accord would have wanted to ask Price to do that out of respect for what he's done for the Canadians. And I'm totally fine with that. I do think there there is value to to to, to being respectful with your players because it it helps you keep them longer and acquire some in the future. But for Price to reach out. And, like, the way it, it all played out, and then it really seems like Bergman was, like, you know, he dared him. And I'm sure Francis, Francis had some, like, some fake threats being, like, well, if you don't give us a few picks, we're going to we're gonna pick Price. And then Bergman just didn't budge. Like, go ahead, pick him. And he didn't. And it's it's the best case. I, I really think it was a win-win for the Canadians, honestly, is the way I see it. Super happy Care Price is still on the team. But if he did get picked, I would have been like, ah, it, it sucks. But now Weber's gone too. Now it's, we have, it's, it's time for the kids to really come in and play. But at the same time, I'm happy for, to have still Price still there because we talk about Weber as being the leader for, from this team. And of course, Weber's a leader. But we never talk about goalies as being leaders. You know, they don't wear the letter and all that. But Carey Price is absolutely a leader in this locker room also. So losing both those presents in the locker room at the same time, that would have been more than even just the on-the-ice product. That would have just hurt so much. Just after the run happened and everything, just losing basically the heart of the team just so quickly like that, like a, a couple weeks after the finals would have been rough. No, for sure. Yeah, it, def- it definitely would have been would have been tough to lose all that leadership on top of, you know, again, we still don't know exactly what's going to happen with Philip Dano, yeah. uh, Corey Perry, who knows if he's going to be coming back. So it, it would have been definitely a huge hit. Uh, you know, like you mentioned, I mean, this, the whole the salary cap situation, getting an extra ten point five million would have been uh, interesting, certainly for the for the offseason. Um, but, uh, man, like you got to give Bergevin massive props yeah. for having the balls to make that move. Absolutely. Because, man, it's and, and yeah, like you said, I mean, it's Seattle and, and Ron Francis, man, they look kind of like fools right now quite frankly i mean i'm disappointed because like i kind of was rooting for them like i wanted a good like i love their jerseys personally and i was like i know some people don't don't like them but i feel like it's a new new color scheme and uh and all that and it's just i always like to see the expansion didn't do a little well vegas annoyed me a little bit but i don't know it's exciting and they had a potential there to get something good going and it's just for sure it's just we talked about this already like off the podcast but the philly pick and the Columbus pick are the two most confusing ones to me because, for like for example, they didn't get get to take Tarasenko, but I don't think that's a bad move because they got Vince Dunn. But the guys they got out of Philly and uh, 
and Columbus. I don't even feel like looking them up right now. They're nobodies. Like one's a 27 year old career AHL, or hey, no disrespect to to him. I mean, I'm sure he's better at hockey than I ever will be. But <laughs> I mean, there were I mean, just Max Domi. Max Domi's contract's not that bad. Just pick him up. There's a couple of top. You add a couple of top six forwards to this lineup, this team, and they're not that bad. But I don't know. I don't get it. No, it was definitely a lot of weird picks. Like when I saw some of those picks and, and definitely the ones that you mentioned, and there's there's a couple of other ones too. I was like, yeah. okay, clearly there's more to it. You know, yeah. there there's they've obviously got some side deals. They didn't even have one side deal. Like that's no, that's crazy. ridiculous. And obviously he was asking for way too much. Cause I mean that's, that's apparently it. apparently the ask for 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 the uh, Canadians to protect Jake Allen was the first round pick in a prospect, that's which nuts. is ridiculous for a backup goaltender. That's nuts. And and I mean the fact that the you know you mentioned Gosses Bear like the the fact that they didn't make that move I mean Gosses Bear is definitely a guy that could could have helped them certainly and you know he's a guy that probably I, I feel like with a change of scenery he's he could be a decent player next year for Arizona and he could have been for Seattle and you know you just get those extra picks I mean presumably the reason that they didn't take some of those bigger contracts was because they wanted to have that cap space. And then you have like this great potential move there to get Goss's bear in a couple of picks and you don't take it. It just I'm doesn't almost make wondering sense. If, if, if Ron Francis kind of pissed some GMs off in, in the way he dealt with it, because like it, it sounds like Philadelphia did talk to Seattle about them picking ghosts and how they would give him some, because they traded him today to, to Phoenix and Phoenix got a second round pick. And I think like a, like a, a fourth or fifth or something like that along, along with it. And like, and they gave nothing, they gave absolutely nothing. And it sounds like Philly talked to Seattle about that, but they were just offering always too much, too much, and too much. And I, I, I'm wondering if at some point it kind of rubbed them the wrong way. And now today when Philadelphia moved him to Phoenix, part of them were like, hey, you know what, I'd rather send it to, send him to Phoenix and give him a, a second-round pick than give the same offer to, to the guy, to, to Ron in, in Seattle. Because, like, you're already taking an asset for free from all these GMs. It's probably already bugging them a little bit. I don't. I get the vibe that he that he kind of really went about this horribly. I mean, I, I'm frustrated if I'm a Seattle fan. You know, I really am. For sure, they. they I mean, you know, a, a lot of people say that like Vegas, they were expecting you know Vegas to be bad after the after the expansion draft. I don't think that's true. Like when I saw Vegas when they first did the expansion draft, I thought they were a playoff team. I thought they were going to be pretty good. I mean, they had some decent players. You know, Alex Tuck, Marsh, uh, So. I mean, they had Shea Theodore. Uh, David Perron, Fleury, and Nets. I mean, they had a pretty decent team, and I mean, Seattle could have done the same thing. You know, I mean, but uh, I mean, their their lineup is, is is just bad, man. Like it's they, their, their defense, defense is good. Their bad. defense is good. Their, 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 te- no, no, yeah. their, their defense is solid. Like like you look at that D, and it's better than a lot of defenses out there. Like like I, I was on message boards, and I could see like Edmonton and and like I think it was Vancouver fans complaining that their defense already looks better than theirs. You know, you have like Giordano, Oleksiak, Larson, uh, and then it drops down a little bit. But then there's Vince Dunn, who's, who's really, really solid too. Like Vince Dunn could be their shade, Theodore. I was surprised they didn't get Jake Bean out of Colorado, all, uh, Carolina also. Yeah, uh, that was another. That was a weird one. Morgan Geeky's I mean, a pretty good prospect, though. Yeah, but. yeah, yeah. It's uh, that. That's not the craziest one because at least Geeky's someone. Like he's not one of these these guys that's like no one's ever freaking heard of and then and then they pick them and it's it's weird it, it, it's it's weird especially because it's like it's like they they didn't pick a specific lane like i don't know just add a couple top six guys and then you're way more set up and then one of the worst parts is too one of the better picks they did is yanni gord 
and now he's he's out for the for the like first few months of the season. I mean, the thing that might kill them though is like I feel like almost they're tanking, but they're in the absolute worst division. Yeah, and no, exactly. I could, I could see them accidentally making the playoffs or being like a fringe playoff team, which means then they have what like a the seventh or eighth overall pick, and then it's it's, it's like that's not bad, but it's, I don't know, it's a waste, and I don't I don't get what they're planning. I I, I really don't. No, I mean, you know, they, like they've they've obviously had time to prepare. I mean, you know, they have a lot of cap space. It's it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with uh, with it here in, uh, in in free agency in that. Um, you know, I mean, they can definitely fill out the roster. They yeah. have, uh, if I'm not mistaken, over $20 million in cap room. So that's not going to be a problem. But yeah, yeah no, they have almost uh, the, I think they have the most cap room base that you can have. They're, they're just above the floor. Like you can't really have more cap room than they do. Uh, a lot of, a lot of weird ones. I mean, uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what they were thinking. Yeah. And, we'll see. You know, we'll see. I mean, we'll it, it's not over. It's not over. Like, like uh, after a bunch of teams overpay in free agency, there's there's got to be some teams that need to move some contracts, so they might end up picking up some assets and 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 maybe it's it's, it's they prefer picking up assets for next year's draft versus this year's draft uh, because of the fact that this draft is a bit of a crapshoot because so many players haven't played in so long and it's 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 a bit of a diff, more difficult draft. So maybe they're thinking, well, instead of making moves there, we'll, we'll use our cap space to get assets for the next draft. Like I don't, I don't know, maybe maybe it's not over. I mean the the, the off season is just getting started, but. It's not it's not great so far. Not great so far. So uh, yeah, well I mean let's get back to the Canadians. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. lots to talk about anyway. I mean, I mean yeah, so let's let's get back to the Canadians. But I mean, just to stick with the expansion, the last thing about the protection list for the Canadians I thought was interesting is that Armia was protected, and I get that they needed there was basically a free slot for the Canadians to protect. Uh, if you ignore the UFAs, Armia and, and Danu, I was thinking maybe they were going to make a trade. I don't know, maybe they tried at the, at the like last second because they could acquire, have acquired a player. Like for example, let's say they made that trade like Toronto did to get McCann. They would have been able to protect McCann and just expose another one of the UFAs. But what's most interesting to me, I don't think this means in any way that they're going to sign Armia, but they could have also protected Danu. I just thought that was that was surprising. That, that like, like it really gives the impression that they don't think they're going to sign Danu. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, and you know, a lot, a lot of the news that's coming out or the rumors in that, I mean, definitely does not, looks like that's going to be the case that he's not going to be with the Canadians uh, next season. So it's, I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, I mean, I, th- I thought for sure that they would be able to work out a deal yeah. and, and obviously it's not over yet. Uh, and I mean, army, I don't know. I, just, I can't see him coming back to the Canadians. I, mean, I really don't. And I just, it, it just seemed like an odd decision. It almost seemed like a, Bergman's frustrated with Dano, so I know I'm gonna protect Army instead of you. Like you know, like I'm sure it's not that petty, but it's just I don't know. It's 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 weird. And Bergie did say today in his press conference that he hasn't given up on Dano. Like until he sees him signed with another team, he's still gonna have hope that he's gonna come. But like everything, all the insiders is all pointing to to Dano leaving. And we were talking about it last week. Dano's like end of season press conference that really gave me hope. He was saying all the right things. It sounded like he understood what his role would be in Montreal moving forward. But I don't know. Maybe he's just not getting the money he feels like he deserves in Montreal. Uh, I, I mean, I think I think for him, and, I, and I've said this before, I think it's more about the role. I think he'd be willing to probably take a little bit less money. But he, I, I just feel like he wants to be that top six forward that, you know, he's, he's not really <laughs> realistically. Well, so, like, is he going to sign for a team that, isn't as set up to win moving forward just because he wants a bigger role like how, how like he 
after the performance he had in the finals, like he, you gotta think he's gonna, uh, he, like in the playoffs overall, he's gonna want to be on another contender. You know, like uh, uh, the one big thing though, if he is something that wants to win, I wonder what the feeling in the locker room for even a guy like Corey Perry is after learning the Shea Weber stuff, because that can completely transform the team moving forward, especially for the guys in the locker, because they respect him so much. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. When when I saw that, and you know, I I I was definitely not too sure, or a lot less sure that uh, that we were going to see Perry resign with the Canadians. I mean, I you know, I th- I think he wants to go somewhere where, you know, where he has a chance at winning another cup. Um, I mean, the Canadians made it to the final last season, but I I don't know if the Canadians are really the the, the team that that he's going to want to, yeah, you know, latch onto here. I I mean. We'll see. I mean, uh, again, I mean, they have a lot of cap room, so I mean, they they have a lot of options, but th- they also have a lot of holes going into this off season. So, it's uh, you know, I, th- I think you know, Corey Perry, maybe he'll be he'll he'll wait it out a little bit, see how things play out, yeah, and see yeah. what kind of what kind. Of, that makes sure a lot of sense to me. I, I don't think I don't think Corey Perry's in a rush to sign. He'll just wait it out and see how it goes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's not bad for the Canadians either. Because here's the thing about the cap space, and even people that were talking about losing price, and I'll get all these cap space, all this cap space. It's like, okay, I get that we're just coming off a season where the Canadians were struggling to get under the cap, but is everyone just forgetting the like five previous seasons where they had all this cap space, and every off season we'd go into the off season and be like, oh, we have all this cap space, we're going to sign all the big free agents, and then none of none of them ever sign here, and which is a blessing in disguise because like ninety percent of them they're like being exposed in the in the draft and like they're going to end up being bad contracts and all that but it's not easy for us to sign players and unless it's through trades that all of a sudden bunch of cap space we have like i i'm, I'm curious to see how we're going to fill it like I, I i got some guys i'd like to add but is bergman going to even be able to add those guys and who knows no exactly i mean there, there's a lot of a lot of players out there a lot of that, that could fill those holes certainly um but you know it's, it's always been a bit of a a challenge definitely to to get some you know to, to get those big names to the canadians or to sign with the canadians so it's it, you know i mean hopefully that run to the stanley cup final last season is is gonna you know make make thing make players think about coming to the montreal canadians but uh i mean it's always going to be a challenge and but I mean, there's not a whole lot of teams that have the space, the cap the space. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, that, that that that's where it could really help the Canadians, because like the the obvious name in this offseason is uh, is Dougie Hamilton, right? He he's 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 a big defenseman, right-handed shot, and like Shade Weber had seven. His cap hit was seven point eight million. If if Shea Weber's really done, at the very least done for this year. That entire cap hit is my starting point for Dougie Hamilton. I'll happily give you. I'll happily give you eight million, because it's it's the hole that they need to to, to fill on on the Canadians and and I I, I like I like Dougie Hamilton personally. But the thing is, is like the, even I don't know a lot of teams have have that space, but others do. And like it, we've seen so many situations where the Canadians even offer the same thing, or if not even a little bit more than other teams, and the players still choose to go elsewhere. Yeah, so it's um, yeah. I mean, he, and Dougie Hamilton is basically you know the the defenseman that's going to be out there in the UFA yeah. market. So I'm sure he's going to have a lot of suitors, and you know, very likely. I mean, Seattle, Seattle would probably make a lot of sense. They have a bit of a hole on the right side there. Um, so you know, he he could definitely slot in there in the top two. 
So, I mean, there's going to be a lot of teams out there that are, that are probably going to offer him a deal. And, you know, so the Canadians aren't going to be the, his only option. That's for no, sure. Oh, for sure. I mean, and you look at the defensive, uh, like the, the players of, of available on defense in, in the free agents market, it really takes a big drop after Dougie, uh, Dougie Hamilton. There's other solid guys, but there's a lot of left-handed guys, right? There's well, there's Ryan Suter who, who got bought out, but he the, the the it sounds like he doesn't want to play in Canada. So might as well scratch that. Uh, and then, and anyways, he's old, right? Is that really the direction that the team wants to go? Dougie Hamilton's 28, right? So that's that's kind of perfect. Uh, you have a guy like Tyson Berry, but Tyson Berry's like like a better uh, 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 Gustafson, right? Like he, he's a strictly offensive threat, and he's gonna get more money than he probably deserves because he had boosted stats from playing with McDavid and and Drew Seidel. And then aside from that, there's really not a lot on the right side. Like a guy like Brandon Montour, but like. He's solid, but like, is that not is that maybe more of the same of what we have on this team that we always complain that we always have the same type of guys? Same with David Savard or or like a guy like Travis Hamanick. It's like, do we need more guys like this? But I'm worried that's like the last three guys I just named. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if that's more of the kind of guys that we signed in this offseason. Not necessarily that's who I want, unless it's through trade, because there is all this Seth Jones talk. But then how expensive is that going to be? Like, I, I don't know. I really don't know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Seth Jones. I mean, that would obviously be great. But I mean, if 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 you're going to give up the assets you would need to get a Seth Jones, which yeah. I mean, the price is going to be astronomical. Uh, I believe he only has one year left on his deal. So, yeah. you know, I'm not going to do that for one year of Seth Jones, no matter That's how good thing. he is. That's um, yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe the, I, I think David Savard would would be a good option, but he's also not going to be replacing Shea Weber of course you know he's no. he's more of a you know maybe a third pairing type guy but uh, you know there could be maybe you know there's a lot of talk about Rasmus Ristolainen uh, that's you know a bit of a he nice scares team. me he yeah. scares me like I've always kind of liked him but if you look at the advanced stats and I know the advanced stats aren't everything but it's like he just he doesn't just look bad with the advance he looks awful he looks like one of literally the worst defensemen in the NHL and he makes everyone he plays with worse based on those advanced stats. Is it just the black hole that is Buffalo or is there actually something there, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, he's still a young player, Um, you know, maybe, you know, like you touched on, I mean, Buffalo, everybody's awful in Buffalo. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe the change of scenery is exactly what he needs. But that's what we were saying about Eric Stahl. (laughs) It's not like Eric Stahl showed up and lit the league on fire, you know? (laughs) No, that's true. So, I mean, you know, there's options out there at, you know, I mean, at, I, I, I was really hoping that the Canadians were going to sign Adam Larson. <laughs> I thought yeah, he was yeah. a great pickup. And, man, I love the, like, the deal that he got from Seattle. I mean, that, I that would have been a great deal. So that uh, was unfortunate. Yeah, I would take that on the Canadians uh, 100% without hesitation. And so it's, it's going to be interesting. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to find – a replacement there certainly at least one right-handed defenseman for sure that's and like i'm sure like we were not in uh in uh bergman's head but he's got to be looking at dougie hamilton too it's just it, it, it's like the perfect kind of situation to have him slot into to replace uh to replace shea weber there and then there's still more room on defense but then after that big uh, that big spot i wouldn't mind seeing a young guy come in yeah, like give an opportunity to camp to a guy like, uh, well, you want Romanoff to play all year for sure. And you want, like, a, a guy that I was just reading about to, to, today is uh, is Norlander. And there's there's this interesting article in uh, Habs on the Prize talking about how Norlander, 
the fact that he signed his entry-level contract when he did is a bit earlier than the Canadians usually do go about doing things with with European players, and also that he's going to be coming and uh, and playing in like the the rookie tournament and all that. It's it's things that because the, they they were talking about in the article. It's a great article if you guys want to check it on the Habs Eye on the Prize. And they uh, they talk about when uh, they they brought in Sebastian Kolberg for rookie camp in 2014. And then when he got sent back, he had lost his position on the power play unit for his team in uh, in Frölunda. And then, like, it's basically because he came to the camp while he was gone, someone took his spot and never got it back. And it kind of hurt his development in, in, in Europe. And since then, the Canadians have been hesitant of, of taking players away for the, from these types of teams, right, to not lose their spots. But they did it with Norlander. And I do remember also at the beginning of last season, Bergman was doing uh, an interview on, uh, on TVS Fall. And they were talking about his best trades. And he, when it came to talk about the trade where he got the pick for Norlander, he was glowing about him. Like, I really think this is a guy that Canadians really, really like. And I think he's going to be given every opportunity to potentially make the team out of, out of camp. And there is space there, especially if the, those the signings don't happen. No, absolutely. I mean, he, he you know, he's, he's a left-handed shot. Um, so, you know, something the Canadians already have, but you know, he, that he, the Canadians could definitely use a guy like, like Norlander. I mean, he's a, he's a great puck mover, offensive minded defenseman. He could be a guy that could really help on your power play. And I mean, the Canadians saw last season, you know, they brought in Romanov. He jumped right into the NHL. Um, you know, I, I mean, it's it would sort of be the same thing that you you wouldn't expect him to light up the league on fire and be playing top you know top uh, top minutes top pairing minutes right off the bat either but you know if he's if he's one of the top defensemen in the camp he plays better than the other guys then you know I, th- I definitely think he's going to get his opportunity and you know they can sort of ease him into the lineup little by little like they did yeah. with Romanov you know and uh, no, he's 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 definitely the the new age kind of defenseman where he's offensive minded can do it all. And I mean, he's definitely got a bright future ahead of him. And, uh, you know, if he's going to get his chance in camp, if he doesn't, then he's going to go back to, uh, to, I believe it's with Ferlinda that he plays. And, you know, he's, he'll, he'll be playing top minutes in Sweden. Worst case. And the thing with him too, is like after him, because Leskinen, I mean, he, he, he left. Fleury's gone. Then the, the, the first call up out of Laval on defense right now, yeah, like who is it? Is it is Josh Brook, who's not exactly progressing very well? I mean Xavier Wallet, like we all know, like uh, like what uh, that is, right? Uh, you know, like it's like, but yeah. like there might there might be some signings just of of, of like fringe players for for the AHL, because there's, there's a hole even there. There's a hole even there in, in the AHL. Yeah, it's, it, I mean. Yeah, if if you look at the lineup right now, I don't really know who. I mean, it, it might very well be uh, Xavier Wellet. I mean, aside yeah. from that, they really don't have a whole lot. I mean, they, you know, they, they'll be at it. I think Gianni Fairbrother will be there, but I'm, you know, he's he's just making the the jump from the WHL. He's third round pick two years ago, so uh, you know, he I don't think he would be the first call up. But I mean, I'm sure they're they'll probably probably add some right handed defensemen. I mean, there there was times last season in Laval where their whole defense unit, like six defensemen, were all left-handed defensemen. So it's, yeah. it's definitely been a need for for not just this season. And, you know, one guy that I that I would keep an eye on that potentially Laval or even the Canadians could add is uh, Jeremy Roy, who uh, he played, you know, he's been a, he's a UFA now, if I'm not mistaken. He played uh, in San Jose and, uh, well, San Jose is 
Barracuda in the AHL team, and last year was with San Diego. So I think he could be um, an interesting player. He's still a young defenseman. He's definitely an, an offensive-minded defenseman. We've seen already that the organization is just snatching up as many Quebec-born players as yeah. possible. So I think he would fit uh, definitely fit that, and he could be a guy that potentially could help the Canadians. He hasn't played an NHL game yet, but uh, he could be an option. But I'm sure you know there's there's going to definitely be signings yeah. um, you know, over For the sure. coming weeks. But and, and the thing, yeah, because like none of these guys can can step in in any shape or, or look for a shape, whatever, right? So, uh, I I definitely think the first item on his list is going to be trying to to sign, um, Hamilton. I just hope Dougie Hamilton is not one of those UFAs that kind of drags. That it's just he's one of those guys that he signs quickly, whether or not it's with the Canadians. And I think then if if, if he signs somewhere else, then you got to pick up the phone. You got to pick up the phone and you got to be looking for trades. And as much as I don't love Ristolainen about the advanced stats and all that, he does only have one year on his contract left. And given it, it doesn't sound like the demand for him is very high, so you might be able to get him for for not that much. And then you have the cap space, so who cares about his? Like, I think it's about five million. He's only one more year. You have, you have to pay him. Uh, and then he, he's a UFA. And then maybe you find out that, yeah, it, it, he was just struggling because he was in Buffalo. And then if that's the case, maybe you can resign him. And, and then and then all of a sudden you kind of got a, a pretty young defenseman added to your team for, for, for cheap. So it, it's not a risk I'm completely against taking going into next year, especially if they're not able to, to acquire a guy like Seth Jones because he's too expensive or a guy like Dougie Hamilton or, or anyone else on, on the market. As long as you're not too, giving up too many assets for him. Give it a shot, I guess. Yeah, exactly. No, I think, uh, you know, Ristolainen, like you said, I mean, you're going to be buying low on him. So, you know, it's definitely a bit of a risk. You definitely can't expect him to step in and and take over Shea Weber's minutes right off the bat. But he's still a young guy that that I think, you know, has – definitely has a lot of potential and and maybe the the change of scenery is just what he needs and you know he could definitely be steel and i think he could he could be a good addition because i mean that you know the canadians they they probably want to ideally add young players you know yeah. that they can help them over the next couple yeah. of years so you know if, if dougie hamilton doesn't work out then wrist aligning could definitely be a, a decent option and then the next hole, I mean, we might as well stick with UFA signings since we're, since we're on the subject. And the next obvious hole then is is the Dano thing, right? Because like I said, Berge talked about in the press conferences, he hasn't given up on Dano yet. But if what we're hearing is true and Dano is gone, I mean, Bergman did address this and said, I mean, he expects Kotkaniemi to step up. And uh, I mean, they already had Suzuki, they're already confident what he can give. And, and he basically mentioned that Kotkaniemi's issue is more with the consistency and he's given he, he's told him to work on his like lower body strength and like win those puck battles along the boards and i, I we like kakinami on on this uh on his podcast and we definitely think he can take that that step but with even with that it still leaves, leaves you a hole right because like after that your depth at center is with jake evans and, and ryan paling like if Deno was gone you think you're going to look at the free agency for for centers too there's some interesting names out, uh, out there too, and I don't know who they who they go for. I mean, but the, the top of the list is guys like Granlund, Alexander Wenberg, uh, some older guys like Paul Stashney, David Krejci. Uh, I mean, signing David Krejci probably pissed off a lot of Boston fans last night. Uh, <laughs> maybe we reunite Ryan Getzlaff and Corey Perry. Uh, I mean, there, there's names like that. You know, Eric Alla is not bad. There, there's some guys available, so like, I'm not really that worried. It, I think I'd rather re-sign Dano, but. I feel like we'll end up signing a guy for a couple million less than Dano would cost on a few less years on the on the, and 
he'll be able to do a similar job to Dano. I, 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 no disrespect to Dano. He did great in the playoffs, obviously, but you see players like that pop up a lot, you know? Like, I don't think Dano's ir- irreplaceable, you know? It's, 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 it, as much as Shea Weber, we talked about how his play dropped, losing a guy that, that eats up so many minutes on the blue line is a much bigger hole to fill than, than Dano for this team. Yeah, no, exactly. I mean, it's I'm going to be sad to see him go, like I think most Canadians fans are, but... I mean, it's, it's really not the end of the world if we, if we do end up losing Dano. Yeah. And I definitely think, honestly, like whoever does sign Dano, especially if they give him like a five, six year deal or whatever, you know, whatever, it, especially if they, the cap it that he's apparently trying to get, you know, I think that team's probably going to end up regretting it. Like if you're yeah. giving him like five million dollars, you're probably going to end up regretting that. And like you said, I mean, there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of options out there. You know, we're not looking. You know, we're not losing our first line center here. We're not losing Nick Suzuki. No. The, we need a guy that's going to step into that third line role. I, you know, maybe can fill in on the second line as well. You know, we don't. You know, Kukinami, like like you said, is has uh, his lack consistency. But there's a lot of names out there. For sure, and, uh, and know, this as, is where I don't mind things. getting a veteran either. As much as I would like the team to focus a bit on 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 youth. I don't mind getting a veteran here to step in, especially after losing Shea Weber and all that. You can get a, a an older guy with with some good. Uh, I mean, if you get a young guy, that's great too. But I'm I'm not mad if we go get like a like a even a Travis Zajac could definitely be a, a good fit on 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 a third line, for example. Uh, he's 36 now, but he's a great veteran to add to your locker room after losing some guys on a cheap two year deal or something like that. Like guys like that, I'm perfectly happy adding those guys to the team to replace. Uh, to replace Dan. And I really don't think it affects the team that much. I, I really don't. No, absolutely. And I mean, like, I think a perfect guy, you know, if, if we do lose Dan, well, first of all, if, if you're looking at the UFA market, I mean, Alexander Wenberg is perfect. First of all, he's yeah. 26 years old, so it's not like you're getting yeah. an older guy. He can, you know, he's not a big scorer, but he still does score score more than Dano, yeah. and you know, I th- he's he's great defensively. Maybe not as great necessarily as Philip Dano, but he he's definitely a guy that could that could fill in there yeah. on the third Lundberg line. Lundberg would be huge for sure, absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, definitely very under, very yeah. underappreciated player in the league. But, but I'm and, sure he'll be very popular. So yeah. that might be a guy that sure. also ends up getting overpaid. But then again, you're not as mad about overpaying a 26-year-old as you are. The, the the age range that worries me the most is the 30, 31-year-old, which I hate saying as a 34-year-old. But <laughs> if we're, we're talking about professional athletes. The 30, 31-year-old players is where a lot of them – there's definitely a regression that starts to hit there. And then they end up signing like four or five year contracts, and then by year two or three, they're really, really dropping off, and and that's where it could be it could be kind of dangerous. When you when you get it, you don't see a lot of 26 year old UFAs, but 26, 27, even 28, which is Deno's age, I, I'm a little less worried about giving like a four or five year contract. But then when you talk about the 30, 31, 32, I don't know. But then instead of that, you jump, you skip that part. If you can't get the 26 year old, you look at the 35 year old, 36 year old guys who understand that they're at the tail end of their career and they just want one or two years on their contract and, and they can bring the veteran presence and that, you know, they're probably, if their centers are good at the face-off circle and stuff like that. So that to me, if you can't get a guy like Wenberg, you know, or, or, or like if there was a top end talent, you move to the, to the cheaper ones that you can have on one or two year deals. Yeah, man, gets laughing Perry side by side wouldn't wouldn't look too bad. I love it. I uh, love it. I mean, that, that wouldn't be a bad move for sure. Definitely helps with the leadership. And uh, well, one uh, one tr- trade target or potential trade target the Canadians have been linked to is Christian Dvorak from yeah. Arizona, who would be just an amazing 
well trade a trade target i think i mean this is a guy that man like he does it he's great at face-offs he was uh, in the top 10 in face-off percentage in the nhl last season he's still young he's 25 years old he scored if i'm not mistaken 18 goals last year so in like you know in the shortened season so he's definitely a guy that can put up points great in the face-off circle so i mean i think he could really slot into that solid cap it his cap is 4.45 Four years. Got a few more, yeah, four, a few more years on the contract. Yeah, that'd be that'd be amazing. But like, here's my thing about trade rumors, though. The Canadians are always involved. Like, apparently, you know what I mean? It's like it, always. <laughs> That's true. It, it, like, yeah. it, unless it's like it only seems to really happen when it's been like two years that we're hearing about it or whatever. I mean, don't get me wrong. If it's true, I'd love it. But then you start wondering about Arizona. Like, are are they gonna ever be done a retooling? Like, why would they want to move Christian? Do- I don't understand that. Yeah, no, I don't really understand it either. I'm not sure why his name is coming up in trade rumors because I mean, I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd love him to have, I'd love to have him on my team. So I, d- yeah. I don't know why they would want to give up on a 25 year old guy who, Makes who sense. just seems to be hitting his his potential at this point. So I don't know why, but uh, man, if the price is right, I, I'd definitely be willing to pay a decent price for for him. I mean, unless it, what it is is he he wants out of Arizona, which is very possible, uh, and uh, and I don't think anyone would blame him. Uh, so uh, that 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 might be what it is. Uh, who knows? But yeah, I heard I heard that rumor too, and and I'd be for sure uh, excited for that. But back to the the Bergevin uh, press conference. The, the the I mean, the best news to come out of that that conference is uh, uh, he talked about uh, he was asked about Jonathan Drouin, and he he gave us the 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 big the biggest answer we've gotten about the Drouin situation in a long time. Basically said he's doing good. He said him and, and Dom Duchamp met with him. And he's excited. He wants to stay in Montreal, and he's excited to come back. And we talked about this on the last podcast. To me, it was always up to him. It was always up to Drouin. If Drouin wants to play in Montreal, I'm 100% happy to bring him back and give him another chance. Whatever he just went through, hopefully he's past it. We don't even need to know. And there's because there's no reason to move him now. There, there's gonna, like He was just exposed and the draft wasn't taken. There, there's, there's really no reason. So let him come back and... If if it works, perfect. And then you can even move him after if you want. But if if not, like we have a hole on the left side with, with Tatar gone. If Dan was gone, uh, if Drouin's gone too. So so Drouin wants to come back. Happy to have you back. That's fantastic news. Absolutely, man. And uh, you know, I'd I'd love to see him on on a line with Suzuki and Caulfield. I, mean, I think that would that would be that would be great. Or I mean, with Kukinemi, he's had uh, he's definitely had success with Kukinemi in the past. That's what everyone says. I don't know if the one is who I want with Suzuki and Caulfield. Like I, I, yeah, I like. I guess so. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't need to true. get into the, the the potential lines and all that. Like 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 this far out from the first game of the season, but I don't. I don't, I don't I'd rather have like a like a like a guy like Toffoli for me makes more because Drouin. He's he's a great playmaker and Suzuki's already a great playmaker. Like you don't need them both on on the same line. I think with Kotkaniemi and like Anderson, for example, I think that could be a great second line. Yeah, no, that, that could definitely be a pretty solid line for sure. But uh, yeah, I mean the the Canadians definitely need guys on on you know on the on the left wing. So yeah, I mean it'd be it'd be definitely great to have him back. Well, it sounds like you he'll know, be back. It sounds like he'll be back. He, hopefully, that's the case. He was saying he was saying I expect to see him at uh, at training camp. So I mean, we don't go, we want to go into what the rumors uh, were as what was wrong with him. But uh, if he's doing well, and as long as nothing happens uh, from now until training camp that would would change that, then he's going to be back uh, at training camp. Like he was very matter of fact about it, Bergman. Uh, so 
I'd be surprised if, if that's not that's not the case. And and I think the only situation where he trades Dwayne is if Dwayne asks for a trade and does and doesn't sound like that's what's going to happen. So I, I definitely think we see him back at camp. And he he was doing good before he like the, at the start of the last season. He was doing really good. With some of the best hockey he played in Montreal, especially away from the puck. You know his game was really growing. And with the type of team the Canadians are going to have, where we have a lot more like true offensive talent on this team, he might fit in a bit better than he has in the previous seasons on, on, on a team where the best offensive line was was a shutdown line with with Daniel Gallagher and and Tatar. You know, like I I, I I'm hopeful the way having a, a solid bounce back season next year. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, hopefully hopefully he he does come back. I mean, you know, some some people on Twitter mentioned that maybe. Bergevin was just doing sort of posturing for a potential trade, uh, you know, in the in the off season. But no, I definitely love to see Dwayne back with the Canadians, and yeah, I think he'd fit right in. And you know, assuming he does come back, and with the cap space the Canadians have, I mean, I, I think you know, yeah, we're we've that we're going to lose a couple of players, but uh, I think we're definitely going to be competitive next season. For me, it's still it's still on defense, right? That that's what will really determine. With Shea Weber being out for the whole year, if this team can replace him with like can with a, with a solid guy, like an adequate guy that can really take up some minutes, like if the Canadians sign Dougie Hamilton, I'm feeling really good about this team, regardless of of Denno leaving and all the other possible. Moves. And it would it be the last move? It'd still be cap space. There'll still be more moves that we can expect. If, we, if they can sign a guy like that or, or acquire another one in trade to take those big minutes on the blue line, if not, though, I mean, this team was already lacking on the blue line, even though they made it to the final. Uh, I, I don't I don't know how it goes, especially in our division. Yeah, it's obviously, it's, it's, a, it's a massive hole losing Shea Weber, and there's not necessarily a whole lot of options out there, but... Uh... Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, hope, hopefully they can convince Dougie Hamilton to come over. But, uh, you know, if not, uh, you know, again, I mean, there's still plenty of time and plenty of money. So yeah, uh, so yeah. We'll, we'll see what they end up doing. But yeah. And uh, I mean, the, the other rumor that's been coming out today, and I, I know I just said we're ruining with every player, but I might as well talk about it. It was an actual guy with a check mark that said this rumor, too. So maybe it's true uh, that apparently uh, so Mike Hoffman, apparently uh, getting a lot of interest from a lot of teams, namely the Canadians. But apparently... The, from what this guy was saying on Twitter, I can't remember who it is, uh, but you can't be bothered to look him up, honestly. But he had a check mark, uh, so, so you got to think he's legitimate. Uh, and uh, it seems like the Canadians are the closest ones. That's a bit of a weird one for me. Skill set, he's exactly something the Canadians need because he's a sniper uh, to complement like Caulfield, but instead he's left-handed, great for the power play. But all those kind of like locker room issues and stories that have come up with him in the past, it just it goes against everything this team. Like you, if you lose Shea Weber and you, you add Mike Hoffman, you know that complete shift there is kind of crazy. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, I mean, skill wise, I think he's exactly what the Canadians need, like a sniper. You know, especially a guy that can play on the left side. Uh, you know, losing losing Thomas Tatar. Um, and you know, well, we'll see what else happens on the, on that left side, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, you're always a little bit hesitant that, uh, you know, obviously the, the leadership that they had, that the Canadians had last season and that whole locker room dynamic was a big reason they went as far as they did. So you, you hate to mess around with it too much, but, um, you know, I think even without Weber, I think there's a lot of leadership yeah, for sure. uh, in that, in the leadership group. So and I, and I think yeah. for a guy like Gallagher, for example, like we do, we didn't talk about who would be the next captain. I think we both agree it's probably Gallagher. Yeah. 
I, but I think Shea Weber, having been on this team for what what was it, like four or five years, guys like Gallagher, like they learned from seeing that leadership. And I, I think we'll have people that are able to step in and who learn from from Shea Weber. And, and like I, I agree with you too that I think this team is it would be able to handle. And you don't know; it's all rumors. Nothing was really proven too. And it was between the wives and all that. Like you hate when stories like that come out. So like who knows? And what, what, what's really interesting too is that Luke Richardson did coach him in the, at the AHL level back when Richardson was was coaching Ottawa's farm team, and, and he did very well. Uh, the, the, he did. Uh, Hoffman had like over a point per game in, in one AHL season when Richardson was co- coaching him. So you have him. You have a direct person to ask about his character and all that. And I mean, sometimes also some some people are are cool, but maybe the other par- partners aren't so cool. And as long as they can keep that separate, you know, maybe it'll, it'll be fine, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, I, I mean, the, I'm sure the Canadians will do their due diligence. And, and like you said, I mean, Luke Richardson is obviously familiar with him. Um, so I'm sure he'll, he'll have uh, somewhat of a say in that, but, you know, I, I think they have a good leadership group here in the Canadians and, and, you know, I mean, it was, it was all, it was something that happened a, f- a few years ago, you know, what, what happened in Ottawa. So, you know, again, they're going to do their due diligence, and if if he can help the Canadians, then 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 why not? Let's bring him in. Yeah. So I mean, we'll see what happens. But like I said, like rumors always show players to the to the Canadians, and uh, I mean that that's pretty much it for the Canadians. Rumors. I mean, I'm excited for stuff stuff hot start happening because we're talking about it before we started recording. But like we expected a lot of moves to happen at 1 p.m. All teams involved, especially the Kraken, like. Some moves happen, but really not that uh, that much. But anyways, the other the other big thing to happen is we'd love to talk about the Rocket here. And finally, I think we all know that uh, um, with, uh, what's his name? I'm blanking on his name, the previous coach, uh, uh, Jeb Shaw. Yeah, Shaw. Like, see, I've already moved on. We can all move on together. Uh, he, he left for Anaheim. Uh, but then Jean-Francois Hull, which is interesting because he's he is the son of Jean Hull, right? You didn't just say that to, to make a joke. Yeah, he is. He, he is, is, in fact. Yeah. And, and Réjean takes care, like, that doesn't have the, a lot of Havs fans don't have a great memory of Réjean because he was the GM that traded, uh, uh, made some bad trades for the Canadians, let's, uh, let's just say. But always been, uh, like, someone who loves the Canadians and what they represent. And he actually takes care of, like, the Alumni Association or whatever. So then, you, so you have this kid taking care of, kind of like, the young guys coming up and, you know, making sure they progress properly. And then he's taking care of the old guys that are retired. And it's kind of interesting to have those, that, that dynamic, but it's just nice to know that the new coach is in. And I don't know much about him. So you can tell us a little bit more about him. But the one thing he did say is that he wants to put in the same system in Laval as there is in Montreal. And that's exactly what you want to hear, right? Cause you want guys to show up from Laval and be ready to go right away. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, you know, he, it was definitely a, a name that was a little off the board. I mean, I didn't see anyone that had talked about him. You know, the, the two names that came up regularly were uh, Louis Robitaille and uh, Eric Veyer. But, uh, I mean, I think he's a great signing. I mean, he's, you know, for me, the two biggest things for the Canadians going to get, uh, you know, a, a head coach for the Laval Rocket was someone that has a good track record of developing players, which, you know, he has the last six seasons being in Bakersfield, the, uh, the, the AHL team of the Edmonton Oilers. You know, he's done a great job there. Uh, also had a great, did a great job in the queue as well. He was actually the head coach of the Blainville Boisbriand Armada before uh, Joël Bouchard. Um, so Joël Bouchard became the head coach after uh, Jean-François Hull left for Bakersfield. 
Um, so, and he definitely had a great track record there. I mean, I, you know, I follow the Armada pretty well, relatively closely. And I mean, you know, he, he didn't net the, the three years that he was the head coach of the team. I mean, they didn't necessarily have a great team, but uh, at least not on paper, but they, you know, they, they always played better than we would have expected, you know, three straight 40 win seasons, four straight going back to the, uh, the team he was coaching before the Lewiston maniacs. And uh, I mean, I think it's a great, uh, just a great hiring. And also uh, another point that was important for me when we were hiring an AHL head coach is someone that was that's familiar with the league as well, because Joel Bouchard, you know, when he was the coach of the rocket, he often was also the de facto GM having to like sort of, Mm -hmm. you know, figure out roster spots and stuff like that for, uh, you know, if they had injuries or the Canadians were making call-ups and stuff like that. So definitely very important to have a guy that's familiar with the league as well. And, you know, so I, again, I think he checks all the boxes. He's going to play a similar system to the Canadians, which is, which is obviously what you're looking for. And uh, I think it's, it's, it's just a great signing. Um, So again, you know, not one that a lot of people were expecting, but uh, no, I think it's going to be a great signing for sure. It's good to hear. Uh, that's great to hear. And uh, you're just happy it's done early too, right? Because you want to give him time to to, to kind of get ready for the season and and set up and all that. And and just I, I love the connection to the Habs with, through uh, through his dad. And I, I love the idea that he wants to set up the same system. And 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 I'm, I'm sure they did their due. And like I'm, I know some fans are really sad about losing Bouchon, but like. From all we heard afterwards, and actually, if you're still upset about losing Joël Bouchal, I highly, highly, highly recommend. I mean, go check out the Dale Weiss uh, podcast on Habs tonight. Uh, they and there's just you don't have to listen to a whole episode. They they have a clip where he, he just talks about on their YouTube channel his experience with with Joël Bouchal when he, because he was sent to 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 Laval right in in his last year in uh, in Montreal, and the way he talks about how Joël Bouchal would coach in Laval. That is not someone I want around my kids at all. Like, I did not like at all what I was hearing. And that's someone that, that – that's firsthand. That's firsthand, Dale Weiss, and he's been very candid uh, on his podcast. I, I see no reason to not believe what he has to say. And one of the things he th- said I, was, I thought was really interesting is that when he, he had a few games where he was, he was injured or something, so he was in the press box, and he'd see on the, on the Jumbotron throughout the game, they'd constantly be showing, like, interviews with Joy Bouchard or, or things like that, and, and – he seemed like such a nice bubbly guy in those interviews. And he was like, I didn't know who that person was because that's not the person who was coaching us at all. And he would like stare down players on on the bench and like try to scare players into doing the right thing. And he, he, he was like, didn't love how he was like on, on Paling's back. Cause he thinks Paling has a lot of potential. He struggled for, at first with, with Bouchard. It, it was really, really interesting to listen to. And, and to me, like that's well. First of all, definitely that type of coaching style will never work in the at the NHL level, in in this day and age. Yeah, that's for yeah, sure. and yeah. I mean, that, that's something that I've always thought too. I mean, you know, we've we've talked about it a little bit. We don't know exactly what happened with with Phil Verone and Riley Bar- Barber. Um, I think it was two seasons ago where you know there was apparently some fallout there, and that's why they were traded. Um, so he's he's not I think especially when it comes to veteran guys he's not he's not really a players coach, um, and and I've always sort of been skeptical as to how it would translate into the NHL if yeah. it would translate to the NHL. Um, yeah, you know I mean Joel Bouchard you know he he's a guy that that went straight from the Q so you know junior to coaching in the AHL professional you know he he was never an assistant coach or anything like that so. You know, maybe maybe that's not the greatest thing, you know, where they no. I, I think it's obviously a big difference coaching teenagers and, and then going to coach professional athletes. So, 
yeah, it's, you know, I, I would also sort of take what Dale Wee said with a grain of salt because, you know, it's, it's basically one player that's saying that and whatever happened with Verone and, and Barber. And, you know, maybe he was a little bit bitter about getting sent down to the to the Rocket after, you know, having a pretty solid NHL career. So maybe he's just bitter at one at one point. But, you, you know, know, you never know. You never know. But like I said, I mean. I see no reason for him to lie about that, right? You just just don't and th- there, there's something there, especially with the stuff with Veroni and all that and and Barber, so it's like I don't know, like hearing all this stuff, like it's the whole of their smuggler's fire, right? At some point, I'm like, "All right, I don't think this is as big of a loss as, as some people act like." Even if Joel Bouchard was a fantastic, amazing coach, I don't think it would be that big of a deal that we lost. You know what I mean? And then on top of that, you hear these stories and you're like, "Okay, let's calm down. Like we lost our AHL coach. We'll be fine." Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, you know, I I think a lot of people think he's the savior just, you know, because we went from Sylvain Five, who was uh, pretty incompetent, quite frankly, exactly. Exactly. to Joel Bouchard, who did a who did a very good job. I mean, he was fantastic exactly. with the run. He made them, you know, legitimate. Um, but I really don't think there's going to be, you know, there's going to be very little, if any, drop off. I think with Jean Francois, uh, he's extremely qualified, and I think he's going to exactly. be a fantastic coach. And and your point about the that's the thing. It's I feel like. Uh, uh, overall, as a fan base, we maybe overrated a little bit Jude Bouchard because we had some PTSD from from the previous coach in Laval. You know, uh, like we're we're not we're like this is not we're, it's not we're gonna go back to that now with uh, with Jean Constant right where the team's in good hands. So I'm I'm not I'm not worried about it uh, whatsoever. And uh, actually, as as we're recording the podcast, there's not much to talk about with it, but uh, I'm sure people are just gonna look it up if they want to see it. But the the, the regular season schedule is out um so that, that that's pretty interesting looking at it quickly as usual there is uh that there's a six game road trip around christmas they do that every year which is frustrating for me because that's when right when my birthday is so i can never go see the canadians on my birthday but uh i mean i'm not going to go through the whole schedule obviously what i what i really really like is they end the season with so that's four six so six of the last seven games at home I mean that that, that that could that could be really good if you especially if you have to do a, a playoff push to uh, to end the season there. So, anyways, you can check that out. It's uh it's released uh, on all the all all the tweeters and uh, the NHL.com and all that noise. And uh, I guess the last thing to talk about before we go to the 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 interview with Costa and Zokos about the draft, we can talk touch on the draft a, a little bit. Uh, to, I can't believe the draft is already tomorrow. The like the I don't know. It's just. A few days after the expansion draft, I don't know it's kind of uh, I know, it's crazy. I know it feels yeah. like it feels like the Canadians were just eliminated from the playoffs. So like yeah, you know, I haven't really like have really had much time to uh, you know to to take a look at stuff. And you know, usually I follow the draft a lot. I take a look at prospects, but I mean, I think with the whole COVID situation, I mean, well, well I mean, first of that. all, a lot of yeah, a lot of them didn't even play. That's true. That's yeah, true. yeah, they didn't play, but not just that. Just usually, like at the end of last year, like before the, there's the COVID bubble and everything. We, we would do a segment on a prospect uh, every episode because that's what was most exciting about the half season, like <laughs> who they might draft. But when you make it to the final, you, you don't care about who's – and, like, who, who's looking at the 31st uh, prospect on the board, right? So uh, it, it is what it is. But Trevor Timmons spoke to the media today, uh, and he basically said what we're all thinking. This is, this is the draft to have – that, that where it doesn't really matter as much that your picks are maybe a bit further because you made a bit of a run, even if you didn't win the cup, because it's a bit of a crapshoot, man. You're, I think this is a draft you're going to see a lot of home runs in the third, fourth, fifth round. 
Uh, I mean, like, like there's guys that haven't played in like 16, 16 months. And here's the thing. You, how often do you see a player where you look at his like junior career and then he's doing okay, he's doing okay, he's a solid player, and then like the year just before his draft, he explodes and has like twice as many points as any other, other season before that. And because of that, he gets picked in the like – top 10 of the draft, but if it wasn't for the last season, he would have been like a second, third round guy. Like who's to say there isn't going to be a few guys like that this year's draft that no one knows about it yet, but they're going to have getting drafted in the third round. You know what I mean? No, no, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, a, you know, for as much of a crapshoot as the draft is, it's tenfold this, this season. Yeah, like, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be crazy. And, you know, I, I, I mean, the, so the Canadians are currently holding the 30th overall pick. I I don't think they're even going to be drafting tomorrow. I think they're probably going to move the pick. Yeah. Um, so I, I expect a trade from the Canadians in the next 24 hours. Um, we'll see. Uh, so do you, know, you think if, they're going to trade down in the draft to get more picks in like the second, third round or whatever? Or do you think they're going to use it as an asset to go get something else? Like to I go get a player? No, I think they're going to go get a player. Yeah. And um, I mean, you know, I, I don't know all. I haven't studied all the options of of who they could go get, but I wouldn't be too surprised to see them get um, make a trade with Buffalo to get Rasmus Ristolainen in the next 24 hours. Um, you, you know, think, it's you gonna, think he's worth a first round pick though. I know it's a late first round pick, but still. Oh yeah, no, I I, I think he is. I, you know, I think a, a first for Ristolainen, or may, you know, maybe it ends up being the second uh, a second rounder. But uh, well, let's no, not forget, I, I, as per usual, the Canadians have a, have a ton of picks. Uh, and uh, let me just pull it up exactly how many they have. Um, yeah, 11, 11 picks in the draft. And like two second rounders, two third rounders, three fourth rounders. So there's a lot of – because you can package those two second rounders, which are like they're, – they're back-to-back again like like last year when they, they picked uh, Tuck My Sack, which was uh, hilarious. Uh, <laughs> but uh, back-to-back again. So you, you can package that. Uh, like I think it's like 63 to, 63rd and 64th to, to get a legit player. From uh from from some teams, but I think do you think there's a chance maybe they move down in the draft? There's a guy maybe that they want to get in like the top twenty or something like that, or you don't think they're gonna do anything like that at all? I mean, it it could be too. I mean, you know, it, at this point, I mean, the, it, all the draft wars are all over the place. I mean, yeah, 100%. all who Timmons and his team like, you know, it's it's really tough to say. And, and, you know, he talked about hitting those home runs, especially when you have those many picks and especially yeah. in this kind of draft. You know, I think uh, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, we know the, the the organization as a whole, especially now with the Rocket and the Lions, are they're going more and more towards uh, bringing in French, uh, French Canadians. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of guys that maybe they're looking at. There's four guys in the queue that could very well go in the first round. So, you know, maybe they'll move up a little bit to get a guy like Zachary Budzik or, you know, maybe they'll draft Zachary Lohr. Yeah, speaking of, of Budzik, I, I was listening to uh, Angers earlier today and Stéphane Leroux, which is a great prospect guy on RDS, he was talking about how he always asks the French, because he, he really covers the queue a lot, right? He's, he's always talking to the French players and all that. And he said something I didn't realize. You know the Canadians are the only team in the last four years not to draft a player out of the queue in the first, I think, like three, four rounds? Like, oh, it's really? not just that they haven't done it. They're the only team in the NHL who hasn't done it. So, like, all, all these conspiracy theories, people that think that they're just avoiding, like, they, they kind of have a point. Like, at some point, it's a tendency, you know? Like, and we all know how much they love the American players and all that, or not not necessarily American, but players that, like, that do that go to college and all that. Like they've been drafting a lot of those. But you mentioned Zachary Budzik, which is one of like I think three or four, like you said, potential first rounders from from Quebec. And 
he he always asks him where he wants to play, and these Quebecois players don't always say Montreal, not at all. Like a lot of a lot of them, like they want to play with Crosby, they want to play with a guy like Patrick Kane, that they say that they, those are their idols, they want to get drafted by those teams, or they say they want to go play in California. You know, they want to get out of the of the winters in, uh, in in Montreal. But apparently, Zachary Budzik, like he is emphatically, he wants to play for the Canadians. He said he was he wasn't shying away from it, and he says he doesn't see that see that often. It, sometimes you know how hockey players answer questions, but they don't really answer them. He answered it, no hesitation. Wants to play in Montreal, and I love that. I love to hear that. And like I had, I, look, I have done no research on this draft. All I know about this kid is that he wants to play in Montreal, but he's also projected <laughs> to be like a top 20, 25 player. If there's a situation where they can draft, and I'll be happy because you love to hear that, and you love to hear that the the, the guy with first round potential, who's from, who's a French Canadian, he wants to play in Montreal. There, there, there's there's value to that. Like that means that this to me that means that this player loves the pressure and he wants to be put in the most difficult position, and he wants to win with with, with while we're wearing the Canadians jersey. Like like I I, I freaking love that, you know. Uh, and, and if anything, but because he said that too, you know what it means. If if he gets drafted by another team, and he he becomes in any way a good player, like even if he's like a third fourth liner in the NHL. We're going to hear rumors of him being traded to Montreal for the rest of his career. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, actually, I was surprised to hear that, that uh, the Canadians haven't drafted. But, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, they, they really don't draft very many players from the yeah. game. Last time, yeah, think about it. Like, you know. Yeah, 2013, yeah, when they drafted uh, Zachary Fucali in the second round. They also had Sven Andragetto in the third uh, yeah, so I mean, he would he would be a fantastic pick. I mean, he's 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 a really you know he uh, put up over a point per game last season, um, even this the season before, 52 points in 55 games. Uh, he's he's probably going to go in the top 20, so I definitely don't expect him to be you know at 30 for the Canadians. Maybe they move up to get him. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, he'd be a fantastic player to get center for Ramuski, six foot one. Uh, yeah, he'd be a great guy to get for sure. Um, I'm sure the Canadians would. For sure, they're going to draft some, draft some French French players this this draft. I mean, they have to. But uh, I mean, he would he would definitely make a lot of sense. And, and like you said, I mean, that's something that you absolutely want to hear a player that yeah, wants to play for the Canadians that wants that pressure because you know uh, a, a lot of players don't. So. Exactly, they they don't. So when when they do, if he's got if he's got the skill, that that's and that, that, another thing that he was saying, Stefan, uh, like he talks to a lot of scouts and all that and. He mentioned that what happened this year is that they've done a lot more scouting of the, the the person rather than the player because a lot of these players haven't been playing, but they've been doing a lot of Zoom calls or Skype calls or whatever with, with these players and just kind of, I guess, getting to know them uh, because it's, it's, it's like all you can do, right, because they haven't been playing that much. And so then you wonder if this is a kid that's this emphatic about wanting to fit from Montreal that probably comes out in the interviews and all this. It's just all, it's all very interesting. It's all, it's a completely different draft, so who knows what will happen, but... I mean, I, I, you're probably right that the pick ends up being moved, but that that makes me even more excited for the draft, assuming that the trade doesn't happen before uh, the draft, because part of me didn't want to watch the entire draft just to know who they pick <laughs> at 30th, but now I'm going to be on the edge of my seat waiting for Gary to, Gary Bettman to go on stage, get booed, and just say, we have a trade to announce. Well, actually, it's is it in front of a live audience? It must be, right? Somewhere in the States. I, I have no idea where the draft is. That's <laughs> I'm not sure actually. No, I don't think it is actually. Anyways, uh, I want. I can't wait to hear those those words. We have a trade to announce. It's always the most excited part of the draft to me. At least. <laughs> 
But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a couple of moves in the next 24 hours. You know, maybe I'm thinking this, the Canadians are going to make a move or two. Uh, definitely, I'm sure some other teams are going to be making some moves. Sure. It's, it's going to be exciting. And then, I mean, right after the draft, you know, we have free agency coming up. So so still lots to talk about. I mean, the, yeah. the offseason is just getting started right yeah. now. Yeah. Just, 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 just getting started. It, it's, it, it just feels nonstop, right? Because they made it to the finals. It's a brand new feeling for us. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's exciting. Uh, so yeah, I think it does it for, uh, for, uh, for us. Well, for me, I guess, because you're the one interviewing uh, uh, Costa. So uh, I mean, stick around if you want more information on the draft. Because like I said before, Costa is a, has some great insights on, on that. You can follow him on Twitter at Ron Tees. Uh, it's R-O-N-T-Z-E-E-E-Z, uh, if you want to follow him. Uh, he's from the Puck Authority. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about what you guys talked about. I'm assuming just about the draft. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> most of, mostly about the draft. You know, he gave us a, a couple of picks uh, or a couple of guys that he thought the Canadians could be interested in at number 30 if they were to keep the pick. Uh, you know, also threw out a couple of names for some of the later selections. Um, and, you know, he talked about a couple of guys that he thought maybe, obviously, I mean, the Canadians have a lot of holes coming up, um, well, at least at this point, going into next season. So he talked about a couple of guys that uh, that are currently with Laval that he thinks could maybe make the jump next season and contribute to the Habs. And, uh, and yeah, no, it was a great discussion. Uh, definitely uh, have a listen to that, guys, and check out thepuckauthority.com. All right. Sounds good. So enjoy that. Uh, thanks for listening and always. And we'll be back next week to talk about the draft and talk some more about everything else that's happening with the offseason. Like we said, it's just uh, just getting started. So uh, thank you for listening and enjoy the interview. All right. I'm here with Costa Ronzocos from the Puck Authority. Thank you very much for being us uh, being with us today, uh, Costa, to talk about the NHL draft. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Uh, so first of all, uh, so you know, obviously, it's a very particular year this go this year coming into the NHL draft. Um, what sort of talent do you think compared to maybe maybe previous years? What sort of overall talent do you see in this year's draft? Yeah, it's very tough to to compare drafts when when there's a pandemic that goes around. And I know a lot of leagues, uh, for example, like the OHL, they didn't even get a chance to play. QMJHL, WHL were very, very limited in terms of games. Um, you know, the, the U.S. was here and there in some leagues, so it's, it's very hard to to pinpoint or to say what exactly is better. Um, there it seems to be some really good shooters, really good snipers. It seems like the, the goal scorers are really benefiting this year. Um, I'd say it, it's a little tough to to compare, but if there's one specific type of player that we might see go higher this year or we see a lot more often would be maybe snipers and goal scorers. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, you sort of touched on it, obviously. You know, the, the challenges of this season, uh, I can just imagine for the scouts, it must uh, must have been very frustrating. Do you, do you, because of these challenges, how do you think the draft is going to sort of play out? Do you think it's going to play out a little bit differently? Um, and, you know, particularly, I mean, you touched on the OHL. They didn't even get a chance to play. Do you think those sort of prospects, maybe they're going to get penalized compared to, the Q, for example, was able to play some uh, some games. How do you how do you think it'll play out as a as a whole? Um, you know, e- each team sees the draft uh, from a different perspective. You know, you have 32 teams now, um, so each team is going to put a little more emphasis on something that other teams won't. I do believe that the you know the the top tier elite of let's say the OHL, for example, 
I don't think they're going to be hurt as much um, since, you know, uh, we we sort of have an expectation of these players are going to be good, for example. Um, but it, it's mostly the, you know, the, the second and third and fourth tiers that we're going to be, you know, see maybe less and less in the in the top 30 or the top 60. I think scouts are going to put a lot of emphasis on players who actually had a lot of reps, a lot of game time. Um, you know, a lot of players went overseas. Uh, a lot of players, you know, they, they did a little bit of everything. So I think we're going to see a lot more, let's say, U.S. players, a lot of uh, USHL, U.S. development, and a lot more players overseas are going to be picked a lot higher because of, you know, just just games that they played over the last couple of months. Um, so that's where that's where I would say they're going to put a lot more emphasis on players who actually played this year, and then the top tier elite of leagues that didn't get a chance. Okay. So you sort of yeah, to, I mean, a lot of t- leagues in the U.S. Uh, were able to play, of course, and the, the Habs, of course, I mean, they definitely have a history of drafting U.S. players uh, or, or at least players that were playing in the U.S. We saw it last year. I mean, they they drafted Luke Tuck, uh, Jack Smith, Blake Beyond, uh, Blondie. Um, Sean Farrell, Jakob Dobis. Do you think they'll continue on that trend of drafting a lot of uh, a lot of American players? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we can go back to to Jordan Harris and Jaden Struble and you know Ryan Paling in 2017. So yeah, I think they will um, they'll continue to do that because I think they like what they've seen. I'd say since maybe the 2017 2018 draft, they like the development. They they really believe in in the coaching and the the player. Uh, personnel that these U.S., uh, whether it's college, USHL, whether it's the U.S. development program, I really think that the Canadians really see positive results. I think they're going to continue, you know, whether they keep the 11 picks they have or not, you know, they they really do. But um, I think we're going to see at least, you know, if I had to say over under, I would say about three to four prospects from the U.S. since, you know, since they obviously played as well. Um, I think they're going to continue the trend and until it, until it sees that uh, it's not working out, I think they're going to continue picking players from uh, south of the border. I'd, uh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, you know, it obviously over the last couple of seasons and really even the last decade, they seem to to really like taking those American players. And, uh, you know, I, I think do you think maybe that the, the contracts and, and the Canadians are, you know, relatively close to that maximum 50 contracts that they can have do you think that that sort of plays into the advantage of they have a little bit more time to sign these guys oh absolutely absolutely i really think that um when you give yourself time to make a decision um you you see players maybe mature a little uh, sometimes it takes three to four years for a certain player to mature whether he's a project or whatever and you know if, if you can push um the let's say entry-level contract signing a year further than if you would have with a with a chl player i think that's a that's a type of um let's say information that that could help you down the line um so absolutely yeah i think those kind of contracts do help moving forward i agree so i mean the, the canadians you know they have probably one of the the best prospect cupboards uh, in the NHL at this point, what needs now, obviously, I mean, you mentioned they have a lot of picks going into this draft, one first, two seconds, two thirds, three fourths, and, and a couple of later round picks, one pick in each five, six and seven. What are the what are their biggest needs, you would say, as an organization? Yeah, you know, mentioned that they're they're one of the, I'd say, top five, maybe now with Caulfield um, graduating to the NHL, they're they're not as high, but they're probably a top 10 prospect pool. The one thing that this 
cupboard is missing is is high end talent. Um, like like we mentioned, Caulfield is one of them. They could use a lot more talent at any position. In an ideal world, they would fill that hole on right D. Um, they lost you know Juleson through waivers. Now they just lost Kale Fleury at the expansion draft. Um, Josh Brook is taking a little bit of time to develop. You know Weber, we know what you know he might not return. Petrie's getting up in age. So that right D is is a is a really really glaring hole in the in the near and immediate future. Um, so talent would be the one get talent at any position, and if you can get talent at right D and more bodies on the right defense, um, at least right-handed shooters, I think that would be the you know the best of both worlds. So the Canadians currently are holding the 30th overall pick in the first round. Do you think, first of all, are they going to be keeping that pick? Or, you know, based on some of the movement that we've seen, obviously, I mean, the, the, the Weber news, Dano, who knows if he's going to come back, doesn't look too likely, just lost Kale Fleury yesterday in the expansion draft. Do you think the Canadians will end up making this pick at 30th overall tomorrow? Or are they maybe moving it in a, you know, to, to get to maybe fill one of those holes for next season? If there was a year to move your first round pick, I, I would assume it would be this year. And like you said, there's so much uncertainty with this team. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of little, you know, a lot of positions. Um, I would say they're probably going to draft tomorrow, knowing that Mark Bergevin, uh, Trevor Timmins and the whole staff. Um, I, th- I think they're going to put a lot of emphasis in just adding a little more talent for another year. Unless Mark Bergevin hears a name that he really loves becomes available and the price is right. I really believe that they're going to, you know, go to the stage tomorrow, whether it's pick 30th or, you know, whether they trade up or trade down, I I think they're going to be calling someone's name tomorrow. All right. So if they do keep the 30th pick or, you know, like you said, I mean, they could potentially move up a couple of spots, maybe move down a couple of spots, but with their first pick, who do you think they're taking? Um, Well, in my uh, 2021 seven round mock draft at pick 30, I ended up choosing Sasha Pasadrov. Uh, American-born player. He played in the U.S. last year for the the U.S. program. Uh, he's set to go to Notre Dame, where uh, Indians prospect, well, former prospect now, uh, NHL member um, Jake Evans was from. Uh, you know, he brings a lot of skill. He's a he's a player who uh, is a high talent player. They every year they mention, you know, Trevor Timmons mentioned this. They want high ceiling players, and Pasajov is one of them. You know, he might even go higher than 30th, but He's going to be in range. He's the one player I think that Montreal would really benefit from. Uh, I'd say, you know, maybe in three years or whatever. But he's at left wing. He would bring a lot of high end talent. Um, if not him, you know, other names like Zach Dean, who plays in the queue. Uh, Oscar Olofsson. Uh, Logan Steinkoven is another option. You know, he reminds me a little bit of Brendan Gallagher. Similar to maybe Seth Jarvis, who Carolina drafted. Um He's got a lot of similarities, maybe not as quick, but he's got the same skill talent. And then Simon Robertson would be also another option should he be picking. I mean, I think, you know, there definitely a lot of good options there. Pastio, I mean, he he definitely would check that box of of some high-end talent. Definitely a lot of scoring uh, scoring ability there. Um, the last guy you touched on, Simon Robertson. He's a defenseman, of course, from Sweden, uh, a left-handed shot defenseman. Now the Canadians, I mean, obviously, right-handed defense is 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 a huge need right now for the Canadians. Do you do you really think they'd go for another left-handed defenseman again in the first round? Should he be the best? Should the defenseman be um, the best player on the board and fit their you know eventual needs? Yeah, I, I do believe so. You know, there's 
there's a little bit of uncertainty with Jordan Harris. You know, we we've been talking about the the U.S. program. You know, will he sign? Um, since he's playing over in the U.S. and after four years, they can choose to to uh, become free agents. So with uncertainty with him, um, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the other prospects. Whether Gene Schubel is going to come, whether uh, Romanov or Norland are going to pan out. What's going to happen with Kaden Gouli? If if left-handed defense is the best player available, should that left-handed defense be the best player available? I don't think they have any problems with picking that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's always a bit of a bit of a crapshoot, you know, when you're when you're dealing with prospects. Who knows how some of these other other guys are going to pan out? And and Jordan Harris, I mean, you know, we we'd love to see him sign with the Habs, but a huge question mark at this point. And and Simon Robertson would definitely. Definitely a very talented player that bring a lot to the uh, to the prospect pool as well. So the Canadians, of course, I mean, they have a lot of other picks as well. You know, 10 other picks after the first round, lots in the first uh, in the first four rounds, really, again, two in the second, two in the third, three in the fourth. What kind of picks or are, are there any late round gems that you would like to see the Canadians potentially draft? Uh, yeah, just like every year, I think the Habs are going to go for for players in in both high ceiling um, high potential. Maybe they have some flaw that they could be like they could fix. Um, one of them is uh, Colton Duck. If the last name is familiar, is because he is the brother of Kirby Duck, who was picked third overall uh, in 2019 by the Chicago Blackhawks. Plays for the Saskatoon Blades just like his brother. He's a, he's a big body, likes to shoot. He's been getting better and better at, at driving the net. Um, he's his heat map. If you were to look at his. Uh, his on ice play, his heat map would be really around the net. He's got a lot of, uh, he's, he's a big presence on the ice and he's a good shooter as well. So he'd be one option in the second round. Um, you know, we mentioned Sean Farrell before and one of his teammates and Josh Doan, who plays, uh, who, who they played together for the Chicago Steel. He's uh, the son of uh, Arizona Coyotes, Shane Doan. He's another goal scorer. Just like I mentioned before, goal scorers are going to be in high demand this year. He's a player I would really consider somewhere in the late, you know, maybe in the third round. Uh, Calgary Hitman forward Sean Chagrill. He's a very tenacious, um, very tenacious winger. He's speedy. He can play in, in all different zones. He can play uh, on the penalty kill and the power play. He's got a good release. And uh, Justin Janicki, who played for the U.S. Development Program, another tenacious forward, good 200 player, 200 foot player. He's low maintenance. Uh, doesn't really need to be coached. He knows what he needs to do. So he might not have a high ceiling, but he he looks like an NHL player moving forward. Well, they definitely have a lot of options, uh, you know, with all the picks they have. I mean, you know, they're probably not going to necessarily make 11 picks. I'm sure there's going to be lots of movement um, over the next couple of days. But, uh, I mean, def- I think those the, the guys you name would definitely be some great ads to the Canadians. Uh, Colton Dock, I mean, I think that that would be a great a great addition to the team. You know, he obviously has the size and, uh, and the scoring ability as well. And the Canadians definitely in the past have shown that they love to get uh, players with bloodlines. I mean, we, we saw just last year with Caden Gooley, uh, whose, whose brother plays with Anaheim, and Luke Tuck, obviously, the brother of Alex Tuck. And even the year before, uh, there was, you know, Red Pitt. Rhett Pitlick and Caden Primo. So we've seen it in the past. So I definitely could see Colton Doc being one of the picks. Um, lots to talk, of course. I mean, especially now with uh, in the ECHL, the Canadians now have an ECHL team in Trois-Rivières. So a lot of talk about, um, you know, the Canadians adding Quebec-born talent. And and obviously Drouin looks like he's going to be coming back. We don't know about Dano. Uh, there are a lot of 
Quebec players that could potentially be at the at the end of the first round when the Canadians are going to be picking. Uh, you know, obviously Zachary Leroux, uh, Xavier Borgo, Zachary Bolduc as well. Do you think the Canadians could potentially look at one of those guys? If we if we look at potential Quebec-born players, maybe going uh, whether they're they're playing in the QMJHL or they're francophone players. I think Montreal is in a prime position. Um, should they stick at 30th or maybe trade down? I think they could be in a in a really good spot to draft one of them. Um, I'm predicting maybe Zach Dean would be probably the best player available at that point. I think Leroy, Borgo, and Bolduc will be gone. Um, should they feel like trading down, I think Evan Noss would be a really good option. So this year is a good year for for Quebec, whether it's linked to the QMJHL or whether it's French players playing uh, in different leagues. But I think I think Zach Dean would be the best player available. But if they get a chance at a Zachary Leroux, uh, you know, he he's really linked to he's really compared to like a Brad Marchand. And, and we know what Brad Marchand brings to the NHL. And if you can get that and he's a French, uh, French Canadian francophone player with a lot of uh, intensity, he brings a lot of things that a, this team could need. That would be a match made in heaven, but you know there's a little bit of character issues with him, whether he can fix them or not. He he's been suspended a little more than you would like. Um, but he, you know Leroy would be probably a, a really good get, but I think Zach Dean is the best option at, at pick thirty. Yeah, he'd, uh, he'd definitely be a be a good addition. I think any of those guys would definitely be great additions, but. Who knows if they're going to be there at pick 30 for the Canadians. So they might have to potentially move up a little bit if they wanted to draft one of those guys. Now, of course, anyone that we're going to be drafting at 30th overall, no chance that they're going to be making the Canadians next next year. The Canadians right now seem to have quite a bit of holes um, in, the, in the lineup. Obviously, we don't know what's going to happen with Dano. Weber doesn't look like he's going to be playing next season. We've talked about the Canadians do have one of the best cupboards of prospects right now in the NHL. Are there any guys that you think could potentially make the, uh, make the leap into the NHL ranks next season? As prospects, um, you know, the, the Habs have been graduating more and more prospects over the last few years. You know, we mentioned Jake Evans, uh, Cole Caulfield last year, he played really well and, and showed in the playoffs that he could, he could keep up. Um, and we saw Romanov come over from, uh, from overseas so you know I, I believe they will um, now who that is I, I have three players in mind um, the most obvious one would be uh, Lucas Vedemo in my opinion he's been up and down uh, the, the Laval rocket lineup he can play up you know top two lines he could play on the third but he was very stable last year and he played a little bit with the Canadians so he would be probably the safest bet um, Ryan Peeling is another option. He uh, he didn't start the year well in Laval, but he ended really strong. Unfortunately, he ended the season injured, but he showed a lot of a lot of what the Canadians are missing. Um, a lot of speed on the wing. He he played a lot with power, and that's one thing that the Habs miss. Again, you know, Josh Anderson is an example that uh, you know the Habs could really use a power forward. Now, could they add more? Um, Ryan Peeling would be cheap. He's young. He's speedy. He's one of those players that I think would be great. And then, you know, Jesse Ilonen is, an, is also an option. I think he could use maybe some more reps in uh, in Laval, but he, he has another talent, uh, a toolbox of skills that the Habs could use. He's got a good shot. He's a good puck mover, very good skater. So Vedemo, Paling, and Ilonen are the three players I believe have the best chance. And then uh, everybody else usually would need one or two more years of uh, of either 
AHL or overseas um, experience. All right. Yeah, I mean, I think those those three guys, obviously, there is definitely a lot of talent there in Laval and in the rankings or, or in, in the cupboard, I should say. Um, and, you know, I think those three guys would definitely help the team, certainly. Um, and one prospect that definitely has, has really shown, you know, to be a very exciting player and I think Habs fans are really excited about is, is Matthias Norlander that we drafted uh, two years ago in the third round. He just signed his entry-level contract a few months ago with the Habs. Any chance you think he could uh, potentially make the jump like we saw Romanov do last season? They'll give him. They'll give him the. Sh- they'll give him the chance. That's uh, that's for sure. I think you know Mark Berger has said this before. The players will force their hand, and if Matthias Norlander is among the six best defenders, they're going to make space for him. I truly believe that. Um, you know Romanov showed that he could keep up and. Yeah, you know, he had a bit of ups and downs, but that's what happens when you're a rookie in the NHL, no matter, you know, how good you were uh, in a different league, uh, unless your name is Capriol Kapazov, obviously. But, um, you know, I think they'll give him a shot, uh, but, you know, whether he makes it or not, we'll see at camp. So there's going to be lots of holes, again, to fill on on the Canadians roster. It it definitely looks like it's, it's going to be a really busy offseason. What kind of moves do you expect the Canadians to to make? Be it you know any maybe trade targets that uh, that Mark Bergevin might target, or maybe you know UFAs. What kind of moves do you think he'd uh, he'd make or that he's going to make, and and what would you like to see him do? Uh, so you know, first I'd like to see some clarity with Phil Deneau. Should he sign with Montreal or, or not? Um, I think that might be outside of of uh, filling Weber's spot. I think you know. Knowing if Phil Deneau is going to be back or not, I think that's going to bring some clarity. So finding a number three seat or at least a player who can play second, third line center. Um, the one player that I keep bringing up that would be a, a really good option is Christian Dvorak from Arizona. Um, he's uh, He was ninth in, in uh, face-off, uh, face-off wins last year. He's uh, at 52.1%. Uh, he had a 45 point pace last year which is just around what Deneau was producing scores goals which unfortunately Philip Deneau isn't really known for he's young and he's cost controlled for another four years at just under uh, I believe four and a half million so you'd have some certainty there um, I would like to know what's going to happen with Yoel uh, Armia I'd like to bring him back on a you know, somewhat short term two to three year deal same thing for Lekanen same thing for Armia uh, not Armia but Corey Perry um, and then on defense, I'd, I'd like to see if if maybe a Dougie Hamilton is indeed interested in coming to Montreal. Um, if not, there's been talks about Montreal being linked to Rasmus Ristolainen. Now he's a bit of a controversial uh, option because uh, of his defensive play. But, you know, sometimes you, you play on a bad team like Buffalo and then you go to a good team like, for example, Montreal. You play lower down the lineup, maybe on a second pair. And, you know, you, you find something that you didn't have. So that would be an option. And then maybe getting uh, maybe some more scoring. Now there's talks that Jonathan Drew will be at camp. That fills a hole on the left side. But should they be out looking for another left-handed left winger? Mike Hoffman would be an option. There are some links there from last year. We'll see if they if they get any uh, any talks this year with Mark Bergeway and uh, Mike Hoffman's camp. Yeah, I mean, I think all of those guys would make a whole lot of sense. Mike Hoffman, you know, obviously he's a free, he he would be a free agent, something we wouldn't have to give up assets for. Christian Dvorak, I mean, that would be 
amazing, I think. I mean, he would be a great replacement. I think he's probably quite a bit better than Dano. Well, maybe not quite a bit better, but definitely a better option, I, I would think, at least scoring ability better than Dano. What kind of package do you think it would potentially take to get a Christian Dvorak away from Arizona? That's a that's a very um, it's a very interesting question. You know, the work is young. He's cost controlled, so I think the price might be a bit heftier than um, than you'd like. Um, you know, the Arizona made a trade today, acquiring more picks along with the the Shane Gosberg contract. So I'd expect you know a package of picks. I don't think a first round pick would be what Mark Benjamin would trade. I think a couple of seconds or a package of second thirds and maybe a B-level prospect. I'm not sure how they feel about a guy like Cam Hillis or whether they, you know, insert a guy like Jenny Fairbrother, you know, use that that abundance of left Ds to get, um, you know, a player like Dvorak. And, you know, you're not just getting a third center with Dvorak. You're getting someone who can play 2 and uh, 3C. He can play on the power play. He, he's a really good slot player, scores a good amount of goals um, in a team like, you know, Arizona wasn't very, very good last year, or, or at least, you know, interesting to follow. So I think playing on a team with better wingers would be really good for Dvorak. So I think maybe a package of seconds and thirds and maybe a, a B-level prospect would uh, would be enough for uh, for Arizona. Uh, I think I think if they can get Dvorak for that court kind of a package, it's it's got to be a no-brainer from Bergevin for sure. Uh, but obviously the Habs, especially with all the cap space that that it looks like they're going to have heading into this offseason, there's a lot of tr- you know a lot of trade options out there, a lot of UFA options out there, and another potential option that uh, Bergevin obviously uh, isn't afraid to use and he's used in the past is making an offer sheet. Now Carol, you know obviously last time he did it was with Sebastian Ajo. Carolina just traded their their number one goalie basically for peanuts. So I think there's any potential uh, uh, options out there. And obviously Svechnikov uh, comes to mind with Carolina. You think uh, Bergevin might uh, be pulling that sort of a move again or, or maybe another target also with a with an offer sheet? Look, with Mark Bergevin, if there's something in the CBA that he's allowed to do, he'll explore it. Um, will he do it again? You know, we don't see um, we don't see offer sheets often, and I don't think we've ever seen an offer sheet from the same team, um, especially with the same general manager. So, if there's one offer sheet that has one percent chance of even being a possibility, would be maybe Anthony Beauvillier with uh, the New York Islanders. You know, they they let go of a lot of lot of money. Um, I think near 22 million or, or something with the lad. Uh, you know, they, they dumped Andrew Ladd, they traded uh, Nick Letty, and then Jordan Eberle was picked in the expansion draft. So they they, they got uh, rid of a lot of money, or at least somewhere in the 17 to 18 million. Um, so could they go after a, a Anthony Beauvillier? I think that's the only logical offer sheet should Mark Benjamin see fit. I think that's the only player I could logically see being offer sheeted. All right. Yep. Definitely. He he showed he's not afraid to do it, and and maybe maybe that is the best option for the Canadians uh, this off season. But uh, well, thanks a lot for uh, for talking to us today about the draft and uh, about potential moves in the off season. Um. So uh. So where where can we get to catch some of your work, Costa? Uh. Yeah. So I'm uh, mostly active on Twitter, um, at Ron Z's, and uh, you know I, I tweet on a daily basis. I engage on a daily basis that's where you'll find me the most and then the 
the place where I post my articles is the Puck Authority. That's where I'm active as well. That's where my big deep dive articles are being posted. Awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely suggest giving uh, giving Costa's work on the Puck Authority a look, especially before the draft tomorrow. We're hyped about it. Canadians have lots of picks, and uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how uh, how this how well this first step basically of the offseason plays out. And it's it's going to be an exciting one for sure. Well, thanks a lot, Costa, again for being with us. Thank you for having me, and uh, hopefully we see some more action tomorrow at the uh, NHL draft. I, I don't doubt it. <laughs> All right, take care, Costa. Thank you. Ciao, guys.